Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there! Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! The first career touchdown! Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it! Hits it! John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, everybody, I see you working here inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Let's get in and get the conversation going per usual, too. I know a lot of you. A lot of you are going to be dealing with the uh, inbound weather. I've, I've seen a lot of reports, a lot of video out of St. Louis and central Illinois, for example, and it looks as if we've got some inclement weather, the old ice stormy kind of thing on the inbound right now. So we'll try to keep you updated again. I know Matt Bear is right across the hall from us at WIBC, so he is an incredible resource in making sure – uh, you guys uh, can maintain and be okay, but use caution again. If stuff starts to get a little yucky out there, use caution because we want to make sure that, as always, you guys are here with us. Big show for you. I'll tell you what it is all about. I'll tell you what you can win. Tell you who is going to join us coming up in just a minute. But I do want to double back. And we'll get to the NFL coming up in a minute. Of course, there's no Colts involved. So you guys, while loving it, uh, you'll want to start with something that you really, truly do uh, care about. And we'll get to that coming up here with IU basketball and Purdue basketball. My Sycamores, a winner yesterday, ESPN2 down in Murray State. Butler was a winner against DePaul on Saturday, too. But I want to start with, with the Pacers because I think a lot of people felt that as soon as they made that deal last week, that all of a sudden they were going to be transformed into running roughshod over everybody. And I will tell you this, even though I hate as the words come out of my mouth right now in saying it, because you know me, I want to expedite winning. I want to hustle up winning because we have sat around far too long and been a big bunch of losers, for the most part. Fair or unfair, that particular description, but it is true. We've sat a long way too long. So if, if there is anybody around that wants to get to winning and get to winning in a big hurry, you know that to be me. However, even me, with all of the levels of my impatience, I can understand that it's going to take you a minute 
to get going and adapt. And again, nobody wants to hear that, and especially me. All right? I'm not trying to make excuses for this group. Give me a great example. Like Phoenix, Phoenix yesterday was going to be tough. And in fact, without Tyrese Halliburton, I thought that they hung in there with a chance to win late. You could tell the biggest missing piece was clearly Halliburton because that thing could have tilted to the pacer angle with him. And even with a Halliburton that's coming back from that injury, think about that on Friday night. On Friday night in Portland, you didn't get the the feeling that Halliburton was 100% himself before that injury, but he still stuffed the stat sheet. He was still really good. So last night, without him, I began the game skeptical. I did, however, love how the Pacers hung in. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm not trying to give everybody a pat on the back. Nice college try. Way to go. We'll try to win next time. I'm not trying to glorify this with an entertaining loss or anything like that. You know how I feel about this. But I also, even in maintaining normalcy with me, I also have to, and I think we all do, understand the situation. And that, with Durant and Beal and Booker playing, was going to be an incredibly tough get, even with Halliburton. But you subtract him from the scene, and that makes it more difficult. So I was surprised. I was surprised they hung in, got that lead late. You struggled with guarding. As much as I like Buddy Heald, and as much as he had to do with them and that opportunity late, he had a lot to do with the reason why the outcome was what it was. Because clearly Phoenix was trying to go at whomever he was guarding, whomever he was trying to check at the time. But getting back to everything else, I mean, the Pascal Siakam thing, I was so excited about, and I maintained my high level of excitement. But I kind of thought he's going to be thrust in this situation, you know, in the middle, toward the tail end of a road trip to join the team where Halliburton at the time wasn't playing, and you knew that it was going to be difficult, and that certainly was one of the games that was going to be difficult. And I'm not, again, trying to explain via excuses away. The one that they really missed was on Friday. The one they missed in Portland was on Friday. And you could talk about being a back-to-back. The guys that had played so well in Sacramento for the Pacers on Thursday, I mean, so well, down the line, Matherin, McConnell, Toppin, just to name a few had awful games Friday in Portland. Did you guys notice one thing? What was the common denominator of that loss Friday in Portland? And what you got on Thursday night in Sacramento that you didn't get from those bench guys, for example, that were thrust, again, you know, into more minutes, starters minutes in a couple of cases. But what did you notice that was the common theme for this group and their struggles in Portland on Friday? They had no legs. None. You want to know how you could tell they had no legs? Go back and watch if you want. I don't know. The the problem I would have with going back and watching is I can't 
watch Malcolm Brogdon score at will. I can't do it. I have nothing really against Brogdon other than I don't want to watch the guy for another team put up 30 against the Pacers. I just don't. It's the same thing, the the pick and roll, and 95% of the time he's going to the glass and finishing. That's what I've said about the difference between he and Halliburton. Take nothing away from him. I mean, he was the reason. He, along with just a bad bench effort on Friday night, he was the reason that they won. I know that Jeremy Grant had 37. Jeremy Grant's pretty good. That's going to be a tough cover. Let's, Malcolm Brogdon should not be that level of a tough cover, especially when you do high ball screen. You know, And oftentimes, you had a screen and roll, and we saw that with a, a variety of guys. And that screen and roll, that that screen and, and slide to the basket situation, how many of those times did you see Brogdon actually feed it to the cutter or to the slip screener? Not often. Normally he did what? Normally he took it and he finished it. And good for him. But that that's the difference between when you, when you get a similar ball action with Halliburton, these guys like feel like they're going to get it. And you could tell, for the most part, the Portland guys didn't feel that they were going to get it, but Brogdon finished it up. So that was a struggle for me to watch him score 30 in Portland win. But the telltale sign with the bench with this, they had zero legs. Everything was front rim. Everything was front rim. And I'll give you Matherin, Benedict Matherin, who hasn't had uh, – really played so well in Sacramento Thursday and then followed it up with bad to ba- back-to-back bad outings. And clearly got in Rick Carlisle's spots bunk last night in Phoenix, as you could tell, early on. But he front-rimmed early, and then to try to make up for that, you put a little bit more on it or add a little bit more arc to your stroke, and then you end up going long, and then it's an absolute battle to try to find the distance, to try to judge it. You know, being a, a great shooter is is something that comes with repetition. Brian Evans is going to join me in the 4 o'clock hour. He was a great shooter, and that came with repetition all over the floor. Just, you can do a lot of things, right? You do it so much, maybe around the house, maybe in the job that you do. You do it without even noticing. You do it without thinking about. That is shooting. You know where you are on the floor. You know the distance in which you are away. And it's it's like walking. It truly is like walking. It just comes with repetition. And when you get in that situation, for example, I'm using Matherin because there were a lot of these guys. Toppin was another. McConnell was another. But you just get in these situations where you cannot find the range. And that was clear. But it all started with these guys being short on jumpers. You know, McConnell, what was going down against Sacramento, he's moving to the lane, he's fading away. Did you guys notice what? Those shots were all short. Toppin, who had been shooting it so well from three, his stuff was short. And really what else happens, too, you go ahead and put in Jalen Smith because not only are you tired from the night before, but it also just affects your reaction time. How late were they on a lot of 50-50 ball situations or just getting the ball in general? 
didn't seem like their hands were there. However, even with that, that's a situation in a game that you absolutely have to cash in because now you find yourself in a bit of a dangerous territory. You get back from this Western road swing. You felt good after Sacramento. You've lost two straight right now. And this, to me, this homestand coming up, and especially the first three, are decidedly more difficult than that Western road trip. And we saw how difficult that was. You go Denver tomorrow night, and then you go back-to-back with Philadelphia and Phoenix on Thursday and Friday. That's a hell of a lot more difficult, just not in as many days. And by the way, Memphis, I think, on Sunday here. But that's a hell of a lot more difficult than those first three than what ultimately you're going, or you saw, I should say, out west. A lot more difficult. So now now is the time, and I know that historically speaking, you come off a, a western road swing and the most difficult game of it, they say, is that first game back. And lo and behold, they get the defending champion Denver Nuggets. But it is, it is going to be time to put up and shut up. Or I should say put up or shut up. Because the one thing in all this, to you what sounds like me giving excuses, I'm not. Because I now, as of last week, certainly hold this team to a higher standard. And the last thing you want to see to this team that we're now holding to a higher standard, a higher level of expectation, is a lengthy losing streak. What do they say? And I guess I really don't know what it means. I guess I don't care too much what this cliche means. But this is when the rubber hits the road. It's tough. Oh, they can get some streaks going further down the road. But you don't want this to turn into something right here. And I mean a lengthy losing skid. I believe I haven't done my math in my head, but I mean, you have the potential of, you know, maybe what losing. Let's see. They lost uh, Denver, Utah, beat Sacramento, Portland, Phoenix. What are we talking about here? Denver, Philly, Phoenix. You can lose seven of eight. By the weekend, you don't want that. You just, you're in such a good spot. Everybody was excited. Everybody rushed to watch Bally Sports Indiana or listen to the broadcast on Friday. Everybody was excited about it. And, you know, you get Halliburton back, you get Pascal Siakam. There's There's a lot of work. I'm not trying to minimize that effect whatsoever. But because you made this deal when you did, you're going to have to try to do this on the fly. It makes it more difficult, but you're going to have to do it. Those expectations are going to be there. I know what you're saying. I mean, look at Phoenix. Just a couple of times this year, they've had their so-called big three together. But you know when they are going to be together. And they are going to be together, and they're going to be really good, like we saw offensively last night. People had mentioned this to me a little bit earlier. Hey, you know what? Defensively, they're not any better. Like, team defensively speaking, to me, I I thought the last two, they were a better defensively in terms of scoring defense. It was just in both of those games, they had a dude go for 40. I mean, Durant's going to go for 40. It's like Embiid's going to go for 40. It's just going to happen. 
You have to make sure that you hold down the others. You can't have Brogdon putting up 30. Jeremy Grant's good. 37, maybe a little bit robust. At 37, all right, you give up 37 to Jeremy Grant, the power forward on Friday in Portland. You can't give up 30 to Brogdon. Just can't. And you knew what you were dealing with. You you get 40 from Durant and then mid to upper 20s for both Beal and Booker, but you were still right there. Again, I think the difference to me is offensively. And you can see that in the way that they played. They are just drastically different without Halliburton. And they were still trying to get used to things, I think, with the newness of Siakam and both Halliburton being back on Friday. But we'll put all that to bed coming up tomorrow night. And again, you put those higher level of expectations on. Yeah, I hate trying to explain this away because I'm ready for this group to get going. I don't think they're going to be Eastern Conference dominant, but certainly to expect better than Friday night, for example, in Portland, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if you want to explain that away, you want to explain Sunday away against Phoenix, okay, but you're not going to be able to explain it. You get Denver, you get Phoenix, you get Philadelphia in between as a part of this homestand. Start to make believers out of these people. Got excited, tuned in, and then got disappointed. And don't turn this into seven of eight losing because then this thing goes in a different direction you don't want that and we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on pacer fans for you i i was bummed i understood it i was bummed but that puts more of a premium on what is going to be incredibly difficult beginning tomorrow night and i know that it's you know trying to work in siakam trying to get him comfortable in the offense yeah i know singularly they got torched by Durant and Grant. And go ahead and throw go ahead and throw uh, Brogdon in there too. Collectively, if they're going to score, if they're going to allow in the late teens scoring, you still have to feel pretty good. They just either night really weren't off to what you normally would expect offensively. Incredibly difficult it was. So we can talk about that at 239-1070. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. AAA this time of year, especially with the inbound weather that we're hearing about, is always good to have. AAA has your back. That's the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. Hello to everybody there. I, I'm going to find it difficult, and I'm going to leave a lot of these words to somebody that was on this before anybody else. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, former Hoosier and Big Ten Player of the Year, former NBA or Brian Evans joined the show and basically went all in on the IU basketball program, went all in on Mike Woodson and where the state of the program happens to be located right now. And that was met with mostly agreement. But there was some pushback from people that thought maybe it was going in too deep. You know, maybe it wasn't that much about Woodson. You know, give these guys a chance. And then you fast forward, and from Tuesday to Friday, 
there's probably been a change at those that would suggest Brian went too far or, or got too deep into it. Because he described it the way that it should be described. And they look like a hell of a mess right now. You know, C.J. Gunn getting bounced. I understand this. When, when some little dude is, is putting his hair in your face or doing whatever, and things are going right for that little dude at the time, he was stroking it. I can't remember the little dude's name. <laughs> but the little dude be stroking it. The last thing you want is that guy's scalp up your nose. But the absolute last thing you want to do is put you and your team in that situation as C.J. Gunn did. I'm not, I'm not at all trying to excuse it. Not at all. You just can't put yourself in that situation. And basically, this is the type of stuff that that stuff Lance used to do all the the blowing in the ear, the trying to get under your skin. That's what this guy was doing. And granted, he was having a great night. C.J. Gunn and his teammates weren't, and then you're going to get that reaction, but it simply cannot happen. you got to be more mature. you got to be coached better. There has to be some sort of influence that keeps you from going into the world of jackassery. And even in the moment, you're thinking, all right, so he got ejected, blah, 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 but it is just it, – it's another piece – of the building block that's going on right now to the resume of these guys looking uncoached, this program looking unraveled, and the head coach looking unworthy of leadership and guidance to it. That's where you find yourself right now. It just adds to it. Then you get the whole the whole fragrant or the flagrant foul routine where they lead the country and that, whatever the case. It is, to a bad season to this point, even more so of a magnified bad look. And Brian Evans was out in front. We'll get Brian's thoughts coming up here in the 4 o'clock hour. Stephen Holder is going to join us from ESPN per usual on a Monday coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. It's kind of funny. I am one that is always pro-wide receiver and certainly pro-weapons. And I know that one of these first uh, mock drafts, I think Daniel Jeremiah has Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Uh, The multi-useful and very dangerous offensive weapon that plays the tight end position or did in Georgia. I'm wondering, however, if you shouldn't look more in a season in which numbers were surpassed where you have to go back and talk about Ezra Johnson, Dwayne Bickett, Donnell Thompson, John Hand, back in the 80s defensively for the Colts, or bring up the Freeney Mathis era. I think everything looked good. The numbers did bear it out. Getting after the quarterback. But a consistent edge rusher is something that you're never going to find, never in free agency. I say consistently, that consistent threat. Might that be a position to eyeball more so than tight end? And believe me, the tight end was a complete letdown. You have no idea. Like, you like Will Mallory, but you don't know. Mo Alley Cox is Ben Mo Alley Cox. 
And then you look at Jelani Woods, who everybody was incredibly excited about. He was completely unavailable this year. So what do you have? You have some needs. Isn't more still? Edge Rusher still at the top of that list? When you're looking at free agency in the secondary, and that is a need as well, I think you can fill up some of those needs there. Yeah, Edge Rusher, you never can. Is that how you should go about your business if you're the Colts coming up here? As we get closer to free agency, certainly in the offseason, and then talk a little bit of draft. Stephen Holder will jump in on that, and then obviously, uh, if there is any latest, probably not, but um, I'll ask him the question regarding Jim Irsay. Um, and his health, his thoughts. We're missing Greg Doyle from the Star last week, joined us with his thoughts on it. Bob Kravitz at bobkravitz.com also um, with his thoughts regarding the future. But this is more... Uh, regarding the present and just the the health situation of Jim Ursay. Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Janet Jackson tickets to give away coming up in June, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Nellie Leeds for Janet Jackson. We've got tickets to give away when you hear a Janet Jackson reentry. That is going to be your cue to call. Uh Court stormings, I know people want to go there. I'm not really that interested. However, though, trying to break down how Caitlin Clark was at fault there makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. The player's not at fault when a fan in jeans comes running on to the floor. Celebrate whatever. Matt, Matt Painter had it right the week before last. You just it's celebrate. Do what you want to do. But you have to make sure that safety is maintained. So because the best player in women's college basketball and the best player in women's college basketball in a long time was unable to dodge somebody running from the stands onto the floor in jeans doesn't necessarily make it her fault. Breaking down, that's awesome. That's what we do. We got to break down that film. Hey, look right here. She flopped. She flailed. She took on the contact. Let me tell you this. I'm assuming in a court storm, the last thing that an opposing player wants to happen is to be hit by somebody wearing jeans. We break down that film. All right, NFL divisional round playoffs Saturday and Sunday. We'll get into that. Four remain and another wide right in Buffalo. All right, quick break, and we shall return. 239-1070. I got time for you. Jump on. We'll talk about whatever I brought up here uh, as far as the weekend and sports was concerned. Again, any weather updates, I'll pass them along to you as well. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there. I'm John. Thank you for joining us inside the AAA Membership Lounge YouTube Live. Thank you for joining us. Final straw was losing to Butler, evidently. Tony Stubblefield fired after two and a half seasons, shall we say, at the helm. 
at DePaul, I I remember, and I guess that comes with age. I remember the days when DePaul was one of these standouts. Back when NBC had college basketball, DePaul was right up there. Right up there with being it. Mark Aguirre, Terry Cummings, Tyrone Corbin. I mean it. Ray Meyer, the legendary coach, his son Joey Meyer. I'll give you a couple of other ones, too. Obviously, I bring up Dallas Comagees all the time. All the time, Dallas Comagees of the 80s. Was there not... um, was there not a sharpshooter named Tom Kleinschmidt of the early 90s? But no, getting back to the late 70s and early 80s, DePaul was awesome. I always loved it, too, because they wore the uniforms where their shirt tails were untucked. <laughs> I always wanted that. <laughs> I want those uniforms. They get the uniforms that look like they're tucked in, but they're really not. Oh, I was jealous. I was jealous of DePaul. They had those uniforms. L&M. Back when I was in junior high and high school down in southwestern Indiana, they always had those uniforms where they had the shirts where it looked like they were tucked in, but they weren't. I was jealous. So DePaul's going to be looking for a new head coach. They 0-7 in the Big East this year and 3-15 and overall. Incredibly ugly. Yeah, like this. Clark not at fault, but she flopped the drama. <laughs> you can't let me tell you. It is not her fault if some chick in jeans runs over her. All right. Bob said you were running out of the floor. I we live in this world, I guess, now where you're gonna break that down. I, I don't really care either way. It's not like I'm trying to back up Caitlin Clark, but the whole breakdown of that film and the slow-mo and the stopping and the freeze frame, is that really where we are? When when you are on a basketball floor, and this this is this should be absolutely etched in stone. When you are on a basketball floor and you're wearing a uniform and there is contact, and the person that makes contact with you is wearing jeans. It should never, ever, ever be the fault of the player in a uniform. Never. That's just it. There should be no breakdown. I don't care about the film. I don't care about the flop aspect of it. Or if you get run into somebody wearing jeans, it's the somebody wearing jeans fault. <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much, Litz, right there. Litz says, DePaul, first ever conference player of the year, Tom Klein-Schmidt. DePaul, prep Chicago, DePaul, or DePaul All-American. First player in school history to win a conference player of the year award. Is that true? Like Aguirre didn't win it? Terry Cummings didn't win it? Who the hell was voting? Who was in it? Who was in the conference? Or no, I'm sorry. I take that back. They were independent back then, weren't they, Litz? That's why. Well, that makes perfectly good sense. Thank you for the recall of Tom Kleinsmith. 
Uh, JMV, whose basketball program is ahead of the other, Butler or IU? Or think they're about even. Both, I feel, are a long way off. I, I think the last sentence, Josh, you put there, both a long way off, yes. For uh, different reasons. I mean, both can be described as disappointing. It's just, obviously, IU is always going to be more magnified, always. And that's certainly the way that it is right here. All right, 239-1070. Brian Evans, top of the hour, will describe to you his thoughts of uh, what has taken place recently with his favorite program. But Chris is at 239-1070 right now. Hello, Chris. Hey, John. I wanted to touch base on the Pacers. Uh, I know it takes – I know it looked like like L.A. took, what, uh, eight games before they started to kind of get in sync, start putting some W's together. I I really like the move with Pascal. I know you had a conversation with uh, our buddy uh, J.B., is it, in the morning? I should know his name. Kevin Bowen, KB. Kevin, good Lord, good Lord. The moist moist blanket last week is what his partner, Andy Sweeney, described him as being, the moist blanket, (laughs) the wet blanket. Oh my god! I don't know. You know what that is? That's that's the voice and opinion of a what? What is he? Thirty years old compared to <laughs> myself and you being fifty and fifty-four. Yeah, he's got we're a little bit more time around. than we do, is what you're suggesting here. Yes, we're not waiting around for the perfect uh, trade. I think we got a great trade. Two all stars, all pros at one time. Uh, we're taking swings now, and uh, that's what we really need. And, it, and I saw the legs last night. It was horrible. Uh, they couldn't get a jump shot to hit the damn – hardly hit the front rim. I saw more air balls. Yeah, no, fr- Friday night they were the, – the bench especially from – from McConnell to Matherin to Toppin, yeah. and even Jalen Smith was out of whack on Friday night. You could tell the back-to-back and after beating Sacramento, you could tell that's where a lot of those guys were. Absolutely. And I, and as far as all these rotations that Rick's been putting together, I don't know what – I'm sure he's, he's way more uh, qualified than I am, but we got to find a lineup that he can keep and get that to start in sync to get ready for this second half of the season. Just I'll leave you alone with that, but what are your thoughts with, yep. you know, how many lineups are we going to have to go through before we figure this out? Hey, thank you for the call, Chris. I appreciate it. I know a lot of people were talking about last night in, in terms of you know, Rick with the lineup and keeping Buddy out there and – Buddy was getting defensively roasted, but also Buddy was the reason why shooting that they were where they were. So I get what you're saying about that. I just At some point, he helped get you there, but he's going to have to provide a little bit of resistance. Plus, I mean, you, you looked at the three that were trying to be defended is really tough. But listen, I know I sound like I'm giving excuses. I'm not giving excuses. I just thought last night, last night the way that they hung in and given the competition they had, if you wanted to, was much more excusable. And whether you want to blame the players or blame Rick Carlisle than Friday night. And Friday night with a 12-win team at the time, an 11-win team. 
And letting Brogdon go off in the fashion in which he did drove me insane. Transition's tough. Making a transition and me raising the bar on them can be difficult, but you know that's where you are. When people start paying attention, people start caring, you matter. All that kind of mixes in. So you got to back it up. It's going to be a tough position to back it up to. You look again at their next three. Easy argument that the next three more difficult than the six-gamer they just had, even though the next three are at home. But that's a part of legitimizing yourself. I'm not going to suggest either Rick was was right or I'm not I just understood last night that the guy that he felt he could get some points from production from offensively unfortunately on the other end gave way to a lot of scoring and scoring when it mattered that that late game situation friends that late game situation was built for Halliburton and he being unavailable, that that was the killer last night. I mean, you got three guys out there that can I can put you away, stick a fork in you any time, and you really could tell how much late in games when the ball needed to be someplace. I mean, even get past the whole guarding thing, as far as total points, as far as total points, I think you would take the last two games. Now, even with Grant 37, even with Durant's 40, but you've got to find and manufacture a level of offense in which you're used to. That was the part that wasn't there. And with Phoenix, I go back to what Shaquille O'Neal said at the very end of the in-season tournament. You know, you can be a bad defensive team or let's just say a below-average defensive team. You can be that and still sustain and still win if you put together late-game stops. And last night they couldn't. That was the biggest of deals. All right, John, before the break at 239-1070, John, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you today, John? Great, John, go ahead. Hey, real quick, um, if Minshew decides to leave at free agency, do you think the Colts might uh, try to bring back Kobe for sex? I know he's a free agent. I didn't know if maybe that's an option they might bring in as a backup for uh, Richardson. Um, I, I would sit here and doubt that right now. Um, I, I think it all boils down to exactly the market value of Minshew. Because to me, that is an absolute perfect fit. So we'll see what his market value is as a backup. And I know this kind of sounds outrageous, but whether or not there might be a team out there that would deem him worthy of starting time and see how that ups his market value. I I just I can't imagine that they're going to eyeball anybody else but him. But again, if his market value outlast where they want to go that threshold then that changes the dynamic i just don't happen to think that jacoby Brissett would be a part of it okay hey thanks a lot john John, you call anytime thank you very much nothing against jacoby Brissett. i can't imagine that
And it all hinges on the level of value that we're going to see. And we can sit here right now and talk about Menchu and what we believe his value to be. But all it takes would be one, one suitor to up that price and then poof, a great backup for this team. And again, look at it as you did this past season. Just go ahead and take out the fact that he played the way that he did as a starter for most of this season. I mean, basically, you're going to view him as you did going into last year, coming up this year. Quick break, we'll come back. Your calls, if you want, that's fine. Triple A Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Watch out for the inbound weather that apparently we're getting. I saw some really bad video from St. Louis earlier today. Keep an eyeball on that as well. Brian Evans, Stephen Holder, and Janet Jackson tickets to give away. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Damon writes this inside the lounge, the AAA membership lounge, YouTube Live, JMV sporting the average Joe's hoodie today. Rob Sabatini, shout out. Good look for the above average sports guy. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, Tyler Freeman says, yeah, the free throw shooting was also horrendous. Getting back to the Pacers last night. They missed. You go back early in that game, how many easy ones did they miss? Miles had a couple of easy misses. I think Toppin had a couple. There are a lot of, and I say this as a relative term, but a lot of easy misses, and the free throw shooting was atrocious. You hit free throws to the clip that you're expected and things are different. There's no doubt about that. I was really surprised they hung around as long as they hung around. Thank you, Tyler. From Nate, JMV, the only thing fans need to understand is that this team is not a complete team without Tyrese Halliburton. But if he back or if he's back, they are a top four in the East. And again, fans are going to get confused, Nate, by that because he played on Friday in Portland. But let's just face it, he put up really good numbers as usual. But it still wasn't the same as you would expect him to be. That was the type of game to where, all right, Grant goes crazy for 37. Fine. Power forwards normally get you. Power forwards normally get you, and that's something you want to see get better. So Grant put up 37. You can't let Brogdon get 30. And if you look back on that game in Portland on Friday, he got 30 with relative ease. Pacers always come correct defensively, you know, ready for that high ball screen. And Miles pays a lot of attention, you know, to the to slip or the, the, the roller in this case. And so often 
You didn't have to because Brogdon just took it on his own. But I would agree with you on Halliburton. I think sometimes Pacer fans will get that confused. Yeah, last night was definitely down the stretch, especially after they took the lead. Phoenix got the looks that they wanted, and the Pacers didn't. I know Nimhard had a, a late turnover, too. But Halliburton puts you in a situation to where you can count on late game makes. The only thing you have to to try to do better is to get some late game stops. And again, that's going to be the difference with this team. It's not going to be incredibly better defensively, but you got to be good enough and then mix in late game stops, which clearly, yeah, last night they couldn't get. It's from Paul and Indy. I don't know if I quite understand this. See if you can help figure this out. Outside of him just wanting to call me numbskull. Hey, numbskull, using your jackassery logic regarding Caitlin Clark and fans on the court, the malice in the palace vindicates the Pacers. I've always thought that. I mean, yes, it does. Not completely and entirely. But we all know, looking back to November of 04, how that crap was started. Actually, it started with Ben Wallace, but we know what happened with the fans in the stands. Listen, if you're the one that makes contact with a player on the floor and you're wearing jeans and you're not a part of it, that's on you. It's always on you. Hey, storm the floor as many times as you want. Have yourself a stinking party out there. But you can't be making contact with the players. Whether we're talking about, you know, in the case of Caitlin Clark yesterday or Tulane in that situation this weekend, you can't make contact with the players. It's not hard to figure out. I mean, even a numbskull like me can figure that out. Well, there's nothing you can really do. Like, I will say this. I was there with the Christian Watford shot, and I don't know what you're going to do with that. I remember Matt Jones, who does Kentucky Sports Radio, was like crying. Ah! He was getting buried. I think I saved his life. I saved his life from the crush. He was sitting right behind Michael Grady and I. (laughs) Now, that was a late-game, last-second situation. I don't know how you're going to get everybody off. But some of these, you know what's coming, and you just got to be better prepared. But nah, man, when you got some chick that is wearing jeans and makes contact with a player, it is never, ever going to be the player's fault. Yes. So that vindicates somebody, even this numbskull sitting right here in the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live can easily understand that. Quick one. Brian Evans on the other side. IU thoughts. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Jenna Jackson tickets for her show in June, right? Gambridge Fieldhouse. Got that for you coming up as well. Listen to win. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! Don't! David Letterman! 
Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Oh. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I wasn't ready. You're ready. You got to get it for me over there. That's what oh, I, I said. thought you said you had oh, music. Oh, I had no, I did not. I said you were ready. We have a music fiasco to bring us back in. Thank you, James. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anybody wearing jeans on the floor, a place where you should not be in the first place, and you make contact, you're not going to blame the player. Never, ever. Like Jeremy says, Clark clearly was looking for the contact. <laughs> I don't care. You should not be on the floor wearing jeans in the first place. I'm okay with you celebrate, but don't make contact with a player. So you're going to think she was searching for it, but jeans wearer on the floor will always be in the wrong. Always be on the wrong side of that argument. Here's somebody else that can be on the wrong side of the argument. Here's something else that you can do right now, college basketball. You guys are all with me on this. Get these coaches and their asses off the floor during the game. Like, I don't need to see Shaka Smart trying to close out defensively, all right? We don't need to see it. I don't need to see Archie Miller nine feet out on the floor near the three-point line trying to D up. By the way, Archie Miller, Archie Miller should have been absolutely tossed from that game. Jeff Far out on the floor. He went, yeah, get them back too while you're at it. <laughs> God, coaches. Like Shaka Smart was like playing the ball. He was closing out defensively. I don't even know what Archie was doing. I, everybody probably thought that Archie was so small that maybe he would not be noticed out there, but he was. You can't run into the player with the ball, Arch. So let's do that. Get these guys off the floor too. Let's let's get uh, again. You rush the floor, then you deal with the consequences, right? But if you're wearing jeans on the floor, it's always your fault. And if you're a coach, you cannot close out defensively because you are not playing. Back to that in a second. We do have to announce our fantasy football league champions, don't we, at some point. Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, Janet, <laughs> you guys are pretty funny with this, though. That It's going to be a matter of time before they end up. Nobody's going to be allowed to court storm. I'm going to run out there and look for the contact. <laughs> run into that girl with jeans. Pretty funny. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He's a former Hoosier, former NBA player, former Big Ten Player of the Year, very outspoken a couple of weeks ago. And we all kind of wondered where that thing was going. And as it turned out, our next guest, Brian Evans, incredibly accurate with his IU basketball program and what he was talking about then to where it is right now. And uh, Brian joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Good afternoon, Brian. How are you? Hi, John. I'm good. How are you today? I know this is not making you feel good at all. It's not like you're doing a victory lap of any kind. But, what, two weeks later? Absolutely accurate about the state of this program right now. 
Well, yeah, that's a good place to start. Um, no, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing fun about this. And, you know, my, I wouldn't, I don't even call it a prediction. I, it was a fear. You know, I just had this fear that things were going to get a little bit worse um, and not necessarily better. And yeah, that's how it played out. I don't want to, no more predictions. I don't want you to, don't, don't make that one of your questions. What I think's next. I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, you know, listen, I, I know as, um, as a former player, this is tough. But what you said two weeks ago, you said it looks like this is probably going to happen again because this is just uh, where this group is, and evidently it's how it's being led. And there you are, and a couple of weeks later, here we are. Yeah. Um, well, I talked about Xavier. Uh, I know I went on a while about it, and I, you know, <laughs> we've done a lot of interviews together. We, we, we've I've joined the show a lot of times. I've I've never got as much follow-up as I did this last time. I, you know, I heard about it from a lot of different angles. Did you hear uh, about it from Bloomington? A little bit. Yeah. Now, what, now I'm curious. You don't have to go full into what and who you heard about it from here, but I'm just curious. On the surface, you know, kind of the fringe stuff, were they mad that a, a former player was as outspoken against the program and the head coach as you were? Yeah, I'm really um, shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't. Uh, I'm gonna, I got to leave it alone. But yeah, I, I heard a little something, um, and I get it. And I, and I, I knew, I knew that I would hear, um, I'd hear something. I realize that that's not what, that's not what they want to hear. And um, and I'm, you know, I got to stick to the fact that I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the program. I'm not trying to hurt the program. I care about the program. And this, this sucks, right? It just nobody wants them in this position. They're working like hell to, to, you know, climb out of this situation. Um, you know, I, I come on your show and, and I answer your questions, and I'm and I'm not trying to do any more than that. I'm just coming on talking to you, um, and it's just right now we're in a really bad spot, and there's there's that's just that's the reality. So Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, uh, with us. You, you also you called that that was going to happen again. Like I, you as a former player can probably understand this, and I, I kind of described you know CJ gone last week as follows: um, whomever the dude was that you know was putting his scalp into his face and all that was having a good game. Um, Wisconsin was feeling good. Uh, clearly, CJ Gunn and IU, they're having a bad performance, so they felt bad. But these are the situations. I mean, even though, like in normal times, I don't think you're ever going to understand an elbow to the face, but I think you would understand an IU player taking exception to that. But these times are different right now. This group, this coaching staff, they're under a magnifying glass, and you just can't let that silliness take shape and happen in the fashion in which it did. I mean, really, even if you're trying to defend him for just reacting to a guy that clearly was trying to get under his skin, you cannot take that bait. Right. No, that's that's simply put. And, you know, that was my fear um, with, with Xavier was that if nothing was done, you know, and there was no suspension or a perceived slap on the wrist or something, my fear was that somebody else would do the same thing. It's like, <laughs> makes me think of parenting. If you let your oldest kid jump up and down on the couch, well, the rest of them are going to do the same thing, you know? And, and that is kind of what just took place. You know, you saw another outburst. You saw another really bad decision on the court during a game. And, and I, I, I just hate that for our fan base. And, and, I, and I'm, 
I'm part of that. I have been for 40 years, and I and I hate it. And then I'm sure you're going to go there next with um, Don Fisher. Yeah. And, well, and, and I, I tell you what, I tell you what, B. Hold on one second. I'll let you finish. But for those that maybe lives under a rock, didn't hear this on Friday night at Wisconsin. This is what Brian Evans is alluding to, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with this. And I have never said this before in my 51 years behind the microphone at Indiana University, but I am embarrassed for this ball club. Uh, right and now. Not, be, not because of the score. And that was kind of what you were talking about a couple of weeks prior that clearly Don had seen and, and had enough of on Friday night. Yeah, that is deflating to me. I, I mean, uh, I, I am, he's right. Number one, but I, I hope the listeners, I hope people understand, you know, the gravity of that statement and who that guy is. <laughs> I've known him for, I probably know him for 30 years. Uh, that, that took a lot for him to say that. I mean, he does not want to feel that way. And and I'm sure he he crafted and scripted that to say it exactly the way he wanted to because this is a bad situation and he, he wouldn't have said that unless it was and and, and this is a guy that's um, you know I always I always try to say this I know I can be opinionated at times and I try to uh, temper those and I, I usually say hey I'm not around when I get asked certain questions by you I said well I'm not around the program I don't know I'm not at practice I don't know what they work on you know. I say that a lot because I think that's important for your listeners to know that. I, you know, look, I'm not trying to pretend I run a program and I've been in the, you know, I've done it before. I'm a, I'm just a fan, you know, and I had a five-year window that I got to, I was lucky to be there and, and get to play there uh, for our fan base. But Don Fisher saying that 51 years, that's a, that's a big deal. And it, and it stinks, man. He's not wrong, but it, it really stinks that that's how he's feeling right now. And I'll even say, you know, Robbie Hummel, who I think is an up-and-comer, I, I think he's the next Jim Nance, to be honest with you. I think he's fantastic. I think he's, you know, the, the guy is a talented dude, and he's going to have a long career. He's from the state of Indiana. He's not taking a cheap shot at Indiana basketball. He actually really appreciates it and was a part of that rivalry when it was still really good. Um, his 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 comment killed me, too. Um, shortly after C.J. Gunn's play, he said, this is not Indiana basketball. And that hit that hit hard. I mean, I'm just bummed out, you know, to have to hear that. And you know, Jordan Cornette during the Purdue game, you heard that he said, you know, he said they should be ashamed of the effort and performance in the first half. I mean, that's that's three different people that are that don't have a history of taking shots at IU basketball that have said those things since you and I uh, were on the phone last. It's uh, the Don Fisher sound, by the way, courtesy of of Learfield, right there. As you're right, as as a former player, and you said this two weeks ago, I, I, I kind of just sat back and I wanted you to say what what you had to say because you've lived it, you've been it, and it's within your fabric. And then when when Don doubled down on Friday night in that fashion, it just kind of hit home with you know such a magnitude. What what needs to start right here? Is it lack of leadership? Is it players? What are, what do we need to begin to try to get this thing cleaned up? Even before you start winning games and feeling good, it just kind of seems like there needs to need some sort of attitude adjustment with this group, with this team, with this coaching staff right now. Where would you start? What advice would you give as a former player? 
Oh, man, I, I, I don't think for one second that I've got the answers to that question. That's a tough one. It, it took you a while to spit it, to spit that thing out. You did, yeah. Because, I, I mean, seriously, I, I will say this. I could have made it easier by saying I think all of the above. Seriously, I think everybody is on the hook in that program for what we have, have seen here recently. I mean, I, 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 there's a couple things that stick out to me, and, and, I, and, and it's not any kind of – I'm not trying to make an attack. I just, I just think after the mistake by C.J. Gunn or what he did in the game, you know, Coach Woodson really exonerated him a little bit and just said, hey, it was a semi-elbow, and, you know, I didn't think it deserved to get kicked. I mean, that's, that's not right. You know, the, the rules are the rules, and it was really obvious in, in real time that he was gone from the game. I mean, it was a swing of the elbow above the neck. That's all it takes to get ejected. That, we, we know the rules, and we've been watching enough. I was surprised at his, at his response at the press conference. Um, and then, you know, he made another comment that uh, just stuck with me about, you know, we're still getting to know each other. We're a new team. Oh, man, that one really bothers me for a couple reasons. The first reason is, you know, that's the way we're constructing the team now, right, is to try to get five-star high school guys and try to find people out of the portal. You know, if, if that's the strategy, right, then you're going to, you're going to have a lot of new faces every summer, right? And, and these guys have been together. I hate, I hate reading that we're still getting to know each other in late January. And you know, I, I don't know that we even have a. And he made a comment about staying in the hunt. We got to find a way to get stay in the hunt. I, I hunt for what the, the tournament? I, I don't, I don't, I really don't see a path to the tournament this year. At least right now, I, I don't see one. I, and I, believe me, I'm no expert. I'm not Joe Lenardi, but I don't, you know, I don't see us. I see us with a, a index of like the hundredth best team in the country, no quad one wins, um, not playing very good basketball. I just don't know that we're in the hunt or, or if we are, I don't know what hunt we're in. So Brian Evans, the former Hoosier on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline, a little bit more off of the getting to know one another comment that you just made from Mike Woodson after the game the other night is that this is the college basketball era that you're in right now because your roster turnover is going to be more robust than it ever has been year after year. And that's a situation with basically all of college basketball right now. So if you're not up to it this year, and that's going to be a struggle, basically every year here on out is going to be a similar struggle because you get roster every level mid-major on up every roster is going to be drastically different i think year after year until there is some sort of an adjustment made in what is done whether it's you know transfer portal stuff or or how this is going to be dealt with this is just college basketball in a nutshell right now college football in a nutshell right now well yeah i I, for sure there's more player movement than ever before right uh, there, there just is with with nil dollars out there, and you know you could be a you know have a solid season, and another team really needs you, right? And comes at you with an offer and a bag of money. Guys are going to move, even if even if the, you, the school that had them wanted to keep them. And there's you know so there's going to be just more player movement than ever before. We know that. Uh, so I think it's it's about the staff saying, okay, we're going to take a fifth-year senior, a fourth-year senior, somebody out of the transfer portal that was a solid player, somebody else. So we're going to have a new face, right? Well, if you're going to do that, then you got to have some familiar faces. 
You know, I, we don't have to look very far up uh, 65 to see it being done uh, pretty well. Um, j- just a, a roster of still juniors and seniors and familiar faces, of, you know, a, a group of guys that have played together for a few years. And then you bring a, you could bring in a couple new faces. You're going to have freshmen. You're going to have maybe a transfer or two. And, you know, how do you execute? How do you get them to, you know, uh, familiarize with one another? You can't year after year change the, the core of the team, right, and turn over the roster. And then in January, talk about, we're still getting to know each other. You know what I mean? There's, there's got to be more stability than that. So, Brian Evans with us. What do you see talent-wise from a basketball standpoint on this team? You know, I, I think we've, we've got talented guys. I mean, I see talent. You know, we've got, we've got some really good length that, you know, there's a lot of years that, that you don't have that kind of length. You know, where's long-armed guy? Seven footer. We've never really had a, a a player like him as long as I've been watching. I don't remember having a guy like him at all. George Leach is probably the closest thing, right? Six ten, eleven, seven foot with long arms and a, and a wingspan and athleticism. Um, Mbako is, you know, he's probably six eight, about my height. You know, it looks like he's got a seven two wingspan, right? There, there's there's good length and talent on the roster. I I don't see a really I don't see a deep team necessarily. But I don't see a, a, a huge shortage of talent by any means. Yeah, my my uh my thing with the roster changeover, it's just and and you will have teams like Purdue and and what Matt Painter has going right now that's going to be able to to sustain and maybe sidestep that. But I just think ultimately it's going to end up hitting everybody because it's just too damn easy and. You know, this is this is just normalcy, and I, I think the the oddity for a lot of us um, older generational folks, basketball fans in college, this is going to be even more normalcy as we move forward right here. So you're just going to have to be able you're going to have to be able to quickly turn things around, get everybody acclimated on the right page, or you know you're going to suffer the consequences. And it just it just looks like that everything with this team. Ryan, this season to me has unraveled. Whether you're talking about you know the players, um, you know, the coaching, the leadership, uh, it has all been kind of highlighted to the negative. And you know, again, this is why we're having this conversation. I think two out of the last three weeks of this season, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to um, it'd, it'd be great to try to get Don to talk a little bit more. Uh, he's around him so much, you know, and, and watches him practice so much. And that, that was another reason that that continent statement from him hits so hard, because he he's around the team. You know, it's easy for to criticize me. What do I know? I'm not, I, and I don't go to practice. I'm not around the ball club, and so I'm not seeing. It. I'm just watching from. Now I'm watching religiously from from home, but I'm not at games, and I'm definitely not at practices. I I know that I I really wanted to see something happen with Xavier. You know, it's just that you're not taught. You got to make. I I felt like there was an opportunity to make an example. You know, with a guy that's been around. You know, it's a 60 year guy, a 24 year old guy that that should know better than to do what he did, and and kind of the smirk and and, and how he did it. I thought it's kind of stunk. Um, and he's the captain of our team. You know, and and that bothers me that he's you know the captain of our team. I I feel like. I feel like that could have, would have, should have been taken away from him, if nothing else, to to, to let everybody watch and know that that's not okay. We're, we're not okay with that behavior. You're wearing that jersey. You can't do that kind of stuff. 
Um, but that didn't happen, you know. And then and now you got an, a younger guy doing something similar. It's just a it's, the optics right now are just bad for our program. It just it just doesn't look good. So uh, Brian Evans, who is uh, with us, just one or two conversations or multiple after that last appearance with me here. You don't have to say who called or anything like that, but just kind of curious. No, no it, it wasn't much. It, it wasn't much. It was. Um, it was a, a couple of texts and, and one phone call. No, nothing, nothing awful. Um, something I could share with you. I, I, I just, not <laughs> I, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want you to because I know you can't right there. I just, uh, I, I'm just for one. Obviously, as a former player and what you accomplished, you carry a a great deal of weight. But at the same time, as as you can gather, and then you know, playing off of what Don said on Friday, you know, a lot of people at the time had said, "Well, you know what? He's just you know, just being outspoken for the sake of being outspoken." But you know, Don kind of justified really, really everything because that's what you brought up. Um, that was the tack that you took on you know the leadership and dealing with things within your team and how that affects your play. And a couple of weeks later, after Don said it, here we are again. Yeah. Well, I went back and listened to our entire conversation. I felt like I needed to um, just to, just to make sure I knew because it's 18 minutes and and I was freestyling and I don't know what question you're going to ask me. You know, and I just answered your questions and I, I just think that the, number one is it all comes from a place of me loving the program. You know, more than I love any of the individuals that are a part of it. I just I love the program way more and so anything i'm saying is just because i how much i care about it so brian evans who was with us still watching though right watch uh, wisconsin I can't, i'll never I can't, i'll never stop watching it's 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 part of my life that was a tough watch on friday though buddy I'll tell you that I was in Naples. I watched it from Naples, which was, it made it more watchable. <laughs> I was in a really good spot. My wife and I uh, just having some dinner and watching the game over a, a bottle of wine. So I watched I it from Burgersville, and that made it that much worse. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I was. Here's here's where I am with this right now. And again, as a complete outsider, um. This this program and where it is and and losing, it, it feels like a level of normalcy is reached right now. And we, we talked about that with apathy with Archie Miller. And then in year number one, I think everybody kind of felt better about where, where Mike Woodson was taking and he's a former IU guy or, or whatever. But it kind of seems like a lot of what we're going through right now is the norm. And that's that kind of what that's what takes me, I think, more than anything else. Well, I, you know, I've got to be careful. I, there's so much um, there's a lot of ground to cover. I, I don't feel like we're in position. Right. You know, we're not in position to, to turn a page and be really, really good tomorrow. I, I don't I feel like we've got some issues. I don't know what they are. I'm not there. Like I said, I'm not there. I'm not there on a day to day basis, but. I don't feel like we're getting ready to catch a hot streak, unfortunately. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I was alluding to last time we talked is like, I, I just, you know, I don't see it getting better. I'm afraid I'm, I'm seeing it go the other way. And I, that's not how I want to feel. It is not how Don Fisher wants to feel. I promise you that it is not the way he wants to feel. Do you think um, when we reflect on when you played and, you know, the so-called good old days, 
Do you think that there's there's a way in the the future, foreseeable future, you th- see there's a way to recapture it, or is this kind of what it is moving forward? You ever think about that in terms of maybe never getting back with this program consistently? What made you know this program great? People like you, players like you. You ever you, th- you ever think maybe this this is kind of what it is moving forward for the longer term, even? No, I don't know. I, I think it's hard. I, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's really tough to build a great program. I mean, you're watching guys get it done in in short periods of time. You know, you you see the guy at uh, Oklahoma, you know, who came from a mid major, and Oklahoma had kind of fallen off the map. And Porter Moser has them in the top ten, or you know, they've been in the top ten. I don't know what they are today, but you know, there's programs that uh, Marquette. You know, that's another one that was just really not on the scene. And you mentioned Shaka Smart. I mean. He, they got us to the top five. They're kind of hovering around top 15 or so. So, you know, you're seeing it happen out there. I, I think it's really tough. And I, I think part of certainly the NIL and the, and the transfer portal complicate things. I, I mean, I think they can help. They can make you can build a winner faster because you have that opportunity to, to do it the right way. I, I don't think it's easy at all. So, I mean, I'm not attacking the, the coach or the coaching staff because I, I don't think it's easy in this climate. But, yes, I'm not going to lose hope. I, I do think it can be done. Um, you've got to find a way, and Matt Painter has done a great job of this, is to, to dabble in the, in the transfer portal, but getting guys to play together for the name on the front of the jersey, not worrying about draft status and playing for a name that, by the way, is not on the back and should never be. Um, that, that's, that's the trick. Can you get guys to play to play for each other? And, and for the program to win, just to win, not not so you can get drafted higher, not so you can only stay for a year. I mean, I, I still can't believe – I just believe kids nowadays are trying to play as few years as college basketball and, and, and you know, trampoline into the NBA. Like, we that, that wasn't a possibility for somebody like me. I wasn't talented enough to be a guy like that. But, you know, Calvert was. I played with Calvert, you know, Allen probably was, we had some really good players and being good in Bloomington was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, why would you, why would you want to leave? I mean, we, we had guys that were good enough to leave. Nobody left because we were having a blast and we were, we had a blast because we were winning. We weren't, we weren't playing to, to catapult into the NBA. It was, we, we were on a great team, but you played for each other. You didn't play for yourself. Hey, Brian, in closing here, how high does, player accountability rank in terms of a, a winning program, a, a consistently winning program? Where does accountability rank? Well, I don't, I don't, it depends on what other ingredients you're considering. I, I think it's, um, you know, uh, at the top, <laughs> at the very top. Um, tell me what the other main ingredients are, and I could tell you where it ranks, but I, accountability is, is way up there. But there has to be a standard set, right? So that there has to be a bar set of, what are the expectations that you have to be accountable to? And I, I, I don't know what those are. I, I know what they were when I was playing. I mean, it was very, very clear what was expected of an Indiana basketball player. I, I mean, we all knew. Uh, there was a, a poster on the wall. In fact, a framed poster that said what, is, what it means to be a basketball player at Indiana University. I mean, that, that existed. And I wish I, I, I wish I could see that thing because it was fantastic. And it was, it was uh, a Coach Knight piece that he had built. Um, 
and I can't. I, I, I even searched for it. I started maybe maybe somebody took a picture of it. I could Google this, and I would kill to see to read this right now because it was it was fantastic. I don't know what the um, I don't know what they are now. I'm not close enough to the program to know what the expectations are of of, of accountability. I just don't know. So uh, Brian Evans, right there. Are you still in Naples? No, no, I'm in Carmel. Yeah. See, a stark contrast, right, to Naples, to Carmel, right now. They have nothing in common. Nothing in common. (laughs) Well, I I thought about you when I was listening to Don. I'm a big-time, as you know, radio listener. When I was listening to Don and I heard that, I thought, man, um, that uh, (laughs) that gives gives a lot of spirit to what you had to say uh, a couple of weeks prior. And again, I want to remind everybody how much you do. You've said it a number of times, but how much you do care about this. This is not just somebody coming on here and, you know, taking pot shots at, you know, a head coach or a coaching staff or a team or, you know, the athletic director or whatever. I mean, you do truly care about this. And it probably does as a former player if you played somewhere. And, you know, the team right now is not getting it done and doing some things certainly in the wrong way. This can and will have a profound effect on you, and that's where you're coming from, is what I gather right now. So, no, it's it's no fun. I mean, I, I want hey, I want them to be good. I want them to turn it around. You know, on on Friday or Saturday when they play, I'm I'm hoping that there's a way they can do that. It's not you know, no one's getting any enjoyment out of what's going on right now. No, there's not a fan out there that feels that way. And you know, Don saying what he said, I'm. I'm I think he said it the right way at the right time, um, but it stinks, and, and he's getting zero pleasure out of it, I promise. It's uh, Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, the former Big Ten Player of the Year, NBAer, and uh, he's up in Carmel right now hanging out. With his thoughts on present-day IU and more on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. Always a pleasure, man. You better stay in touch. You will, right? Thanks, thanks, well. thanks yeah. for helping me get that night's sleep. With Aurora yeah, talk too. About that. Talk about that's that's more fun. You you had a great experience. Talk about that, and and we'll catch up next time. Just holler. I need it. I'm going to have to get a diaper on. I sleep so soundly now. I think I have to go to the bathroom so many times. I may have to start wearing a man diaper or something at night. We're getting up there in age, man. It's not too far away. <laughs> I'll be, I'll have one on too. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, pal. It's uh, Brian Evans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. By the way, that's Aurora Specialty Sleep Clinic. If you struggle with snoring, man. The pain in my ass it was. I know this to be true. He's not he's not taking pot shots for the sake of taking pot shots. And I also say this, I I have often wondered this over the years, but I'll always leave it to those that have been a part of it. I I have often wondered if you look back at those good old days and that level of winning and what came along with it and what you value from that basketball program, you know, as, as a fan for decades, I'm assuming you wonder this as well, but I I do. I often find myself wondering if uh, that is, has come and gone and not in its future. Meaning this is more, a part of the norm of the future than what you embrace in memory. 
Quick break and we shall return. Your calls on the other side to Stephen Holder, ESPN, top of the hour. Janet Jackson tickets. Gamebridge Fieldhouse in June. We got your chance to win when you get a Janet Jackson reentry coming up. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Saw this a little bit earlier, courtesy of Brian Newber, goldenblack.com. Trey Kaufman Wren, back at practice today, rolled that ankle. If you watch the Boilers at Iowa, they were all struggling with the uh, wetness on the floor. Robbie Hummel, and by the way, shout out to Brian Evans for talking about Robbie Hummel in the fashion in which he did. There was a lot of people after the IU-Purdue game talked about how Hummel was clearly being a Purdue homer, and you would not have known that he played for Purdue one ounce, which was ridiculous. Would not have known. But Robbie Hummel's done like nine games in the last seven days, it seems. But he was obviously up there for the uh, Boilermaker-Iowa game, and they had snow. This is the way that he and Brandon Gordon were describing it. They had snow on the roof, and you got more than the occasional leak, a little bit of leakage onto the floor. Now, this was not the reason why. I think it was just kind of odd or awkward, if you will, the way that Kaufman Wren came down on his ankle. So he rolled up his ankle. Uh, Not limited right now. Again, Paul Lusk was the one that told Brian Newbert that. Uh, evidently, he stood in for Matt Painter a little bit earlier today. So it seems to be Trey Kaufman-Wren is all fine with the Boilermakers. Uh, JMV, watching the local meteorologist and seeing way too many jackets on. This incoming ice storm calls for jacket-off weather only. Our company does snow removal, and we're well into applying salt to local neighborhoods preparing for the worst. I have not noticed. Now, I will say this, John. This may depend on who you're watching because this is a normal broadcast window now. You know, not all these these uh, late afternoon news shows start at just 5 o'clock any longer. So you may be in a normal weather window or a normal news show window for some of these shows you're watching. Again, by definition, jacket off weather means bad weather, inclement weather, where if it is being reported outside of the normal broadcast news show window, the meteorologist, for example, like Chris Wright, Chris Wright on CBS 4, I don't know. They may not start until five. I can't remember. But if see if if Chris Wright, if if ice if ice was coming down and an ice storm would be happening at two o'clock in the afternoon, Chris Wright would be going jacket off weather because his jacket would be off. But hopefully, we're not going to get. I saw a lot of bad video in and around St. Louis in that area with the ice. I don't want to mess with that. I can deal with the snow and the slush and that, but I don't want to mess with any ice. 
Not good stuff at all. JMV, your quote, the little dude be stroking it. <laughs> Wisconsin and IU on Friday night, the little dude was. Uh, he was he was being an instigator. He was like Woody Woodpecker. He was instigating, but you just can't take that bait in that situation. Come on now. You cannot do that whatsoever. JMV, what did you think about the Sycamores yesterday down in Murray, Kentucky? Uh, they got going in the second half. Actually, I think after like the first five or so minutes of the second half, they really got going. Good road win for the Sycamores. I believe they got one. Count it. One. You guys are watching AAA Membership Lounge, YouTube Live. One vote for the AP Top 25 today. Somebody gave him a vote. Who do you think that was? Can you look that up, James? I wonder who gave. I don't vote, but I would have given them a vote. I don't vote. But it was not my vote. BT writes this. Once again, Brian Evans was spot on. Great interview with him. I just kind of leave it up to him and these former players that have been outspoken. I do know that he heard from Bloomington because they did not like what he had to say you know, about the program or the state of the program a couple of weeks ago. And then obviously when Don said what Don said on Friday on the broadcast of Wisconsin, that um, had a great deal, great deal of meaning to many. That is for sure. Mission Boilermakers get that win over Iowa. I, by the way, IU does not play again until Saturday on the road in Champaign uh, versus Illinois. Hey, JMV, you're absolutely right. Can some of these coaches get off the floor? It's like they have an extra you know, six defensive player out there. Seriously. Shaka Smart was like in a defensive stance. <laughs> he was taking a swipe at the ball. And then Archie. Archie's all the way out there by the three-point line. What a weasel. He should have been tossed immediately. You interfere with the play at that moment, you got to get tossed. And my friend Greg mentioned this. If you mosey yourself in your jeans out onto the floor, you get what's coming to you. I would agree with that. I just thought the breakdown of the video of how it was, well, it's Caitlin Clark's fault here. I mean, come on, what are you guys? Chick with jeans ran out there. It's not the player's fault. She's supposed to be out there. She's a player, right? Jeans wearer are is not supposed to be out there. This may be a numbskull take. But you shouldn't be out there. I'm telling you what, though, if we do too much, this is what, like, I will say this. The court storming, I've always thought, hey, let the kids have fun. But if we keep jacking around and messing with this and it gets worse, then, yeah, just go ahead and outlaw it. All right? No fun of any kind. Once you start running into players, you know, whether we're talking about Ohio State and Iowa or the two-lane game, you start running into players, messing around with players on the floor, then I'll go ahead and yeah, go ahead now, Lot. No fun of any kind. Double secret probation. I don't want to do that. I want everybody to have some fun. You know what's funny? I would have never 
I have never run out to a court storm. I'm not even going to ask James. James has probably been in several hard rock mosh pits. Like, I can see James, like, in a mosh pit for Slipknot or something, but not running out onto the floor after a big win. That would be pretty accurate, yes. James has been in a Slipknot mosh pit, but not rushed the floor after a big win. I don't want to be that old crusty dude right here. Just don't force me to be. And by the way, too, I'm even on this. Get after Archie and Shaka Smart. Get the coaches off the floor, too. Coaches. Yeah, speak to that as well. You can speak to the court storming and how dangerous that is. But, I mean, you got Archie setting up to take a charge on the floor this weekend. (laughs) But I thought it'd take a charge. It's from Rex. One thing IU does not have to worry about is Woodson getting into a defensive stance. <laughs> Wait a minute. And coming out on the court or the sleepy guy that sits next to him, the Armand Hill, who does seem like at times he very well could be a cardboard cutout, but it's real. That's pretty funny. Yeah, Archie Miller was ready to take a charge, I think. Yeah, I hate talking about that silly stuff because it's just that silly. But stop messing around and you get what you get. A quick break and we shall return. Janet Jackson tickets coming up. You guys listen to win that. When you hear a Janet Jackson re-entry, that's your cue to call. Got that coming up. And by the way, too, got a new, not tonight, but tomorrow we got some Anything Goes. A new sponsor, I've heard of anything goes coming up here tomorrow as well. Uh, any weather updates? If you guys are, I have not. Well, we used to have a window. Uh, my window now goes out to the hallway, so I have no idea. It could be like sunny and 90 out there right now. I have no idea. You have any weather updates? Give me a weather update. I want everybody to be safe, right? Use caution. AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Do not go anywhere. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, we need number nine. June 23rd, Janet Jackson. Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Once upon a time, I was a part of Rhythm Nation. I could still be a part of Rhythm Nation if I wanted to be. But I was a part of Rhythm Nation. Janet Jackson and Nelly, Cambridge Fieldhouse. That's coming up on June the 23rd. Oh, thank you to our friends at Live Nation for that all week long. We have your opportunity and a little bit of sponsorship coming up tomorrow after 6 o'clock on Anything Goes to. Shout out to our folks at Live Nation for being a part of it. Uh, again, number, number 9, 239, 10-70. Janet Jackson and Nelly coming up in June. That's at Gambridge Fieldhouse, everybody. Should be an absolute blast. Janet Jackson was on the JMV Takeover. I think, actually, I played that if a little best of the 90s happening. If you guys were a part of that, fantastically done on Saturday night. 
Hopefully the weather is okay wherever you are if you're out and about right now listening. Brad Spielberger, PFF, Greg Rakestraw, and more coming up tomorrow. Probably Denary, too. We'll work him in. Pacers and Nuggets. If you missed my opening diatribe on the Pacers, it wasn't negative. It was under, really understanding, but eh, now it's time to start here. Now it's time to start. Hey, it was it's fun making a deal and getting a new player. Good player, it's fun. But yeah, no, we can understand why Phoenix last night. Yeah, the Portland one still gets at me, but still. Now it's time to start winning. It's gonna be difficult to do that too. Yeah, the next three out of four, incredibly tough. The whole Embiid stuff. I always say, man, just don't play. <laughs> don't play. Can you imagine? Imagine my X handle whenever there's an Embiid versus the Pacer game. Just imagine that for a minute. That's when everybody waits to come out. Everybody says, hey, I told you so. Oh, we told you. And I get all the, quote, your guy. Your guy. Your guy. Hey, your guy. Hey, your guy. Hey, your guy. I loathe the Sixers. Kurt is in Arkansas at 239-1070. Kurt, where are you in Arkansas? I'm in the Bentonville-Rogers area. Uh, Bentonville. Ooh, is that where uh, – is Bentonville where Walmart is? It is. There's a lot of Walmart suppliers here. That's why I live here as well. So, Indy Transplant, a lot of moves. Is, are, the, uh, are the Walmart prices cheaper – near the headquarters, near the location than they are nationwide, or you guys get any discounts? No, sadly, uh, it's like the only store we have to shop, so they're super nice and that's close to the home office. The farther you get away from Arkansas, the dumpier the stores are. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're nice stores. Uh, we got all the uh, freezing rain last night. Yeah. Um, so, I'm actually driving up to Kansas City. I don't usually get to call live because uh, I usually have to listen the next morning when I go out on a run. So good day. Well, hey, live. safe travels up to Kansas City from Bentonville, Arkansas. What you want to talk about, yeah. Kurt? Um, I wanted to make a comment on something you said earlier in the show, kind of changed gears a little bit back to the Colts as we look up to uh, the draft. Then I have to leave you with a funny story about Rex Roast Beef here at the end. But, you got it, buddy. Um, I'm like you. I want to see wide receivers. So I sort of feel like our entire draft capital needs to be spent on pass catchers and those who defend pass catchers. So, I mean, I yes, the edge rusher is tempting, but I feel like we never get lucky with these other late-round finding gold at receiver, except for T.Y. Hilton. I think, what was he, fifth round? But I watch these other teams and I get jealous. You know, Nico Collins, third round, you know. Amon Ra was like a fourth round. All of these, you know, Puka on the Rams is a fifth round. So I feel like um, we need to re-sign Pittman. I like him, but we got to give Richard some, some tools. What are your thoughts? No, there's no question about it. And I always will side with that. I just think I've warned people out on it. And I also hope that that's the case, Kurt, because, again, I'm hoping that Chris Ballard is got a new philosophy on how to build a winner than what his philosophy used to be. And I think that would speak volumes 
to that. And there's no doubt they need more. They actually need a lot. I will say, I I don't know if I'm altogether believing that the quarterback pressure they got throughout this year is at the level still where it needs to be. Sure. especially coming off the edge. But, man, that is so difficult to find right there. But, yeah, I I would agree. You can easily just put it like this, Kurt. The more weapons around your, once again, rookie going into next year quarterback, the absolute better. So you always can start right there. Absolutely. I think we got to get some good help in the secondary as well. Yep. But um, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I uh, – I, too, am the owner of a Rax Roast Beef t-shirt that I sport proudly. So uh, I, I was a while back. My wife and I were in the car. I'm not sure which state it was we were living in. I think it was Minnesota. And I pulled up through an Arby's, and I said, I, I want two Razor Racks. And, you know, I just heard crickets on the other <laughs> side of the uh, speaker. That's, and my wife busts out laughing. That's awesome. Hey, Kurt, thank you very much for the call and listening on your way from Arkansas to Kansas City. We love racks right, around thanks. here. Kurt, call again soon. Thank you very much. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ride with JMV. Hans, Bobby, I'm your white knight. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Uh, welcome back. Joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Of course, a lot going on this weekend regarding the divisional round of the postseason and the NFL and uh, more uh, serious matters in which we'll get into with ESPN, ESPN.com Colts reporter Stephen Holder joins us. Thanks for the time, Stephen. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, trying to stay warm and off the ice. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I've heard it's going to warm up a little bit later on this I'm, week, I guess. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I, I mean, I'll take the rain if it's coming, but, you know, just get me get me above freezing. Man, damn. Yeah. You know, what, what, in the weather – and then the fact that you watch, for example, and we kind of felt that Houston ultimately would go out this way, and certainly in Baltimore they did, but it is still majorly depressing to me that the Colts didn't make more out of that. And you watch Houston roll through there and get some momentum for the future. Got to be fun down there, but it's still major depressing to me here. Yeah, I, you're always thinking about what could have been, and you know, and I also had this story I published today on Anthony Richardson, more what could have been, right? Um, and one of the things that, that Michael – this is not exactly what your question is, but it's related. One of the things that Michael Pittman Jr. said in the story I thought was perfect. He said, you know, Anthony had a tough season just kind of having to endure, going through the injury and the disappointment associated with that. But what Pittman said that's so true, he said, you know, and it's compounded – by the fact that here's C.J. Stroud just absolutely tearing it up <laughs> and becoming basically a historic rookie, and here's Anthony Richardson sitting back saying, damn, wish that was me, you know? Yeah. That's, that has to be hard. And so it's certainly also hard for the fans, as you mentioned, and particularly because you saw Houston go win a playoff game, you know, Cleveland just kind of running out of gas. And, you know, the Colts were hot enough that, you know, you never know. I, I would have given them – Certainly, at least a 50-50 shot at home, 
against a, a Cleveland team that they practically beat before. Went down to the wire, got a tough call. You know, so that was a pickup game in the first one. So absolutely, to your original point, the playoffs kind of, I think, demonstrate for us and it, it reminds us, like, when it's time to get there, if you've got a shot, you got to get there because you never know. So Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I think I asked you this in some form last week, and that is what now through, what, seven seasons under the, the guidance of Chris Ballard. And, of course, we got the combine coming up in February, not too far after that. You're going to have free agency. But how do you believe Chris has changed his outlook? Because I don't think as far as how he believes you win in the NFL, it has changed that dramatically yet you understand what he has as you mentioned in anthony richardson and what is necessary wouldn't it have to have a major shift than what he used to think in terms of putting together a team and getting that winning team in the nfl yeah i I would say that the nfl the interesting thing about it the nfl the evolutions come so quickly so what i mean by that is if you look back, uh, say, uh, 2017, Chris Ballard was hired. Here, here's a great example of how quickly the NFL evolves, to your point, and, and why you have to keep evolving with it. 2017, when does Lamar Jackson get drafted? 2018, I believe, right? Yeah. And if you recall, the, the discourse around Lamar Jackson was, okay, great athlete, he can actually throw the ball pretty accurately and all that, but like that's not how we play in the NFL. That's not pro-style football. We can't do that here. <laughs> well, I got news for you, buddy. <laughs> Within three or four years, lots of teams were playing that way, and now here's Jalen Hurts and so forth and so on, right? You see how quickly that evolution went from, I don't know, yeah. that style might not be for us, to now it's like, oh, the quarterback's not a dual-threat quarterback? Well, we don't want him. I'm telling you, like, that's a great example. So I say all that to say you have to keep evolving as, a, as an organization uh, in terms of how you evaluate players, in terms of how you stack up against other teams. You know, you completely have to keep evolving. So that's, I guess, the, the challenge for Chris Ballard. You know, can he continue to do that? I mean, certainly drafting Anthony Richardson, I guess, is – is a part of that evolution, you know, because first of all, I mean, he, someone was asking me over the weekend or lots of people have asked me about Jordan love and whether Chris Ballard ever really, you know, would have taken, do, do I think he missed an opportunity or what was his evaluation of Jordan love and so forth. And I, I would say that he was always, I'm going somewhere with this. So bear with me. I would say that he was always kind of lukewarm about him. And I get it that that was a long time ago and, and the guy sat and learned he's a different player now than he was coming out of college. But, um, but it was interesting. And my takeaway from it was, you know, I thought that Chris had some trepidation when it came to pulling the trigger on a quarterback to, to some degree. And, and I can understand it too, right? Because if you get it wrong, you probably get fired. That's just how it works. But the alternative isn't, isn't any better, which is the alternative is living year to year and hoping you can find a solution. There weren't any great answers. Granted, I get it. But anyway, I'm just saying there are some 
qualities about Chris Ballard that he's got to recognize and he's got to fix them. You know, like you got to take some chances sometimes. And so the Jordan Love thing is one opportunity perhaps where they could have traded up and, and taken, taken a shot. Um, that's how I see this offseason. You got some talent on this team. Yep. Granted, they've got some holes. They certainly have holes. But you've got a quarterback, at least you think you do. Don't screw this up. I mean, the windows don't stay open for very long. They just don't. Um, you've got to hit it when you've got an opportunity. And maybe they're, they're at the start of a, a, a window to do something here. I don't know what, but a window to do something. Don't mess around is what I'd say. He's Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Do you remember how they felt? And obviously, it, he wasn't going to make it to them. I just remember me with C.J. Stroud. I mean, I, I loved what he did in that semifinal against Georgia. And then I loved his comments at the Combine, ball placement specialist. And we knew that that was not going to happen. Ultimately, it was Anthony Richardson who Steichen fell in love with. And then, you know, Chris Ballard uh, went that direction with the pick as well. But do you remember how Ballard felt in terms of Stroud at all? I, I can't remember if he even dropped too many hints on how he felt because it was just the feeling was then it was so out of the realm of possibility. Why worry about it? I think that's right. They they didn't anticipate they would have to make that decision. I mean, the, the question with, with CJ was, is he going to be number one? You know, was he going to be the first overall pick? I think so. But, but that being said, you still have to do the work. You still have to, uh, to evaluate. You never know what can happen. So I have no doubt that they, they did extensive work on, C.J. Stroud, as to how exactly they felt, I, I think it's harder to say. Now, here's something that's interesting. Chris Ballard last week when he had his, or whenever it was, two weeks ago, when he had his end-of-the-year press conference, one thing, I thought he dropped something that, that maybe some people missed, but he talked about Anthony Richardson and, and the impression he made on him as a rookie in terms of a thrower, in ter- just as him as a passer. And he admitted in there very briefly, and if you blink, you missed it, but he admitted, he said, you know, that's something I was worried about. Like they knew he was this dual threat athlete and he obviously has a huge strong arm. No one's ever doubted that. I think it was more about, could he be a, a pure pocket passer who played from the pocket and, and played conventionally, which you do have to do. You do. No question about it. Well, I thought his, his uh, his reply he basically admitted he had doubts about that, and and so he was very relieved to see that Anthony is a legitimate pocket passer when he wants to or or needs to be. So, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you certainly would not have had that doubt about C.J. Stroud. He was much more of a short thing. You do lose the dual threat elements with him, but I would say. You can't doubt this. You can't say this about C.J. Stroud. He has done a good job maneuvering the pocket and sliding away from pressure, throwing on the run, things that I thought you know a lot of people had doubts about. I mean, he didn't get hit a lot at, at, at Ohio State, right? Uh, so he has put those doubts to rest. Now, again, your original question was where were the Colts and all this? I, I don't know. I, I just think I think they saw C.J. Stroud like everybody did, which was okay. His floor is very high. The question is, where's the ceiling? Um, I do think that Shane Steichen was a big Anthony Richardson guy. That much is pretty clear. And 
I would say also that they were very heavily invested in Anthony very early in the process. You know, I was banging that drum from basically the combine on. And the reason for that is because I knew what I knew, which was that they were on him and they were not, they, they were, they were not screwing around. They were, they were laser focused on him. Doesn't mean they wouldn't have picked someone else, but they were very, very focused on Anthony Richardson. So I, I tend to think that the scouts and Shane Sykin mostly drove that pick. I really believe that. Um, if Chris Ballard were in charge and had the opportunity to draft C.J. Stroud, would it have been C.J. Stroud? Very possibly. So Stephen Holder, who joins us, it's, it's interesting, too. You look at the four remaining teams, uh, and, and one in San Francisco kind of works around at times the level of play of the quarterback, whereas you look at the others, and they are geared certainly around the quarterback. And Lamar Jackson just now is at a different level. But we know Mahomes is right there as an elite-level passer. Golf has been really good. Uh, what we have learned is the decision-making has to be, and sometimes even when you make great decision-making, it does not work out for you in this case. But I was always thoughtful about this. Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Lions and doing what they're doing right now. If you remember, this may have been two hiring cycles ago. There was some interest here in him. How far do you remember, do you recollect that did go? No. Okay. So if I recall correctly, he was part of the group that was hired after McDaniels. I'm, I'm sorry, interviewed. Yes. After McDaniels walked away, Josh McDaniels. So my recollection is it was Frank Wright, Leslie Frazier, I think, and Dan Campbell. So it, it was interesting, too, because I can't remember if Frank had – I don't think Frank had had an interview in the first round of interviews in that first group of candidates that they looked at. If I recall correctly – Frank was not among them. He was on the list, but he, they never actually took the step of interviewing him. I think Leslie Fraser was, uh, but I and also don't think Dan Campbell was. But I would say this about Chris Ballard. He, he actually has had pretty good instincts when it's come to interviewing coaches. If you look at who he has targeted in the past, they've all been guys, or a lot of them, I should say, not all, a lot of them have been guys who panned out very well. Um, you know, look, this is a terrible example, but I'm just giving you an example. Matt Rule, uh, if you recall, he interviewed Matt Rule. I think that was the year before Matt Rule got hired in Carolina. Now, that didn't work out. But my point to you is he, saw, he identified a really good up-and-coming college coach and said, you know what, let's talk to this guy. And, and I'm not saying it was a good hire in Carolina, but my point is he was actually ahead of the curve on Matt Rule. For example, uh, I would say also, I mean, Matt Vrabel, they were on Matt Vrabel. I think Vrabel's timeline got sped up uh, that cycle because Tennessee went ahead and pounced on him. Um, trying to remember, there's, there's a couple others I, I cannot remember right now, but I remember I remember their. Well, Matt, Na- Matt Nagy on. was one. Remember the Matt Nagy, Nagy story was, was that uh, yeah. they visited him and then Brad Childress, uh, the former coach and longtime coordinator, told yeah, Nagy that the better gig was in Chicago. That's right. That's yeah. right. Brad Childress references like there you go. What? But there, there were a couple others, uh, both in that cycle and this cycle, where I was like, okay, he's on the right track. He's talking to the right guys, um, and and then he's also casted a wide net in both. But anyway, the Dan Campbell example, I think, is a good example of of how 
you always have a, you have to have a pulse for who's out there and who the good coaches are. And, you know, I think that then Dan Campbell uh, as an interim years ago, wasn't it? I think in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, actually had a nice ride that year. And, and I remembered that when the Colts identified him as a candidate, that was the first thing that came to mind was like, you know what? Uh, this guy, you know, people might think he's kind of a meathead and, you know, he looks like he spends a lot of time in the weight room. But, <laughs> I said, you know, that guy had a pretty good rundown in Miami, a team that hadn't done a damn thing in 20 years I mean, before this year. So, anyway, you gotta have a you got to have a good feel for that. And without that, you can't put together a comprehensive list uh, that gives you an opportunity, you know, to get a good coach. You know, it's funny, too. I think that like Dan Campbell and Shane Steichen are comparable and not mm-hmm. how they, they handle business, but just how hardcore they go after it. They just go after it hardcore in different yeah. ways and means, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there is something to that. Um, look, Shane Steichen is one of one, man, and, and maybe Dan Campbell's the close maybe is close to that. Um, I think – their personalities are different for sure, but like it's all consuming for them. There's no doubt about that. Like <laughs> Shane Steichen, it's hilarious. I'm sure you've had this experience too. I have done, I have gone to great lengths to try to learn something about this guy. I mean, you know, if I'm going to cover the Colts, you should know a little bit about the head coach. There ain't anything there, man. <laughs> There's nothing there. All people tell you is, oh, he's all ball. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. He coaches football. I get it. But, you know, he just <laughs> – there's nothing there, man. He is he is completely consumed with it. And uh, and and I think the, the players, even though there, there's different styles, right? You know, Frank Reich could not have approached the job with Shane Steichen's approach because it would have been inauthentic. And vice versa, right? You know, Shane Steichen can't come in and, and start, you know, talking about, you know, belief and, and your family and, you know, your faith. And I'm like, nah, it ain't going to work, right? It's going to be inauthentic. But they both found their niche, and, and I think that's how coaches work. You know, you got to just be who you are, and that's one thing you don't have to worry about with Shane Steichen. He's going to be who he is. And I think Dan Campbell can attest to that too. You know what? Like, you know, he got mocked when he had that opening press conference. I laughed, too, okay? I mean, you start talking about biting off kneecaps, and we, we got to have a conversation, okay? But um, he stayed true to, them, true to himself, and it doesn't matter what outside what the outsiders think. You just got to get those 53 guys to believe, man. They believe. Uh, there's no doubt about it. They, they reflect their coach, and, and that's what good teams do. I, I don't know if this has happened yet. Brian Johnson – Took over for Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator in Philly. Yeah, I don't know if anything's made made official, but there are questions whether or not certainly he is he is going to be back. So let's just say for sake of the uh, question right now, he's not going to be back. Does that open up a a possibility, Jim Bob Cooter wise, maybe some interest in that Philly end? You think for his offensive that, services? That that rumor is out there. Uh, it would be very interesting. Uh, first of all, I mean. God bless Brian Johnson. Um, you know he tried really hard, but yeah, you do. You, you would think they've got to make that move, um, just because. Look, we all love Nick Sirianni. Like I get that he's an acquired taste, <laughs> but I like Nick personally. Nick's a good dude, but um, yeah, this ain't the time for loyalty, man. 
like the walls are closing in. You you got to get that thing on track up there. So I, if I'm him, I think you have to move heaven and earth to get on the right page and figure out what's what's next going forward. Now, as it relates to Jim Bob Cooter, I have no idea if if that is a real possibility. But here's why it makes sense. They certainly lost something in Shane Steichen. There's no doubt about it, and they lost his his acumen, his play calling um, ability, all of that his vision, you don't get that necessarily with Jim, Book, Jim Bob Cooter, but you do get the guy next to the guy who can come in and install, not install because it's already there, but come in and, and, and take that scheme and, and maybe take it to the next level, progress it. And, and then we'd have to see from a play calling perspective, you know, how Jim Bob would perform. You know, he doesn't call the plays here in Indy. But but just in terms of, of game planning and, and understanding how to attack defenses, Jim Bob's very good at that. He understands those things. He does a lot of that because Shane is the head coach and has other duties. So a lot of that does fall to, to Jim Bob. So I, I would totally understand it if Nick Sirianni went that direction. And it would probably – uh, pay dividends for the Eagles to look at a guy like that just because there'd be the continuity. Uh, but yet I think, you know, some more potentially more proven results just because we saw it here. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Holder of ESPN covers the Colts, ESPN.com and the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. So we saw, when you start going back and, and stirring the echoes of the eighties and, you know, up front and getting sacks, getting after the quarterback and certainly the era of Mathis and Freeney, you got something there. However, is there a little bit of fool's gold in terms of consistent pass rush at a high level? And the reason why I bring this up up front with the Colts defensively is should that not be as hard of a target in this draft or something they should try to track down, maybe even more so than anything else? Is there a little bit of fool's gold with setting records and doing things they hadn't done up front defensively this past year? A little bit of fool's gold in that in mind. Well, here's the thing. I think here's where you, where you have a point. They did it by committee the pass rush effort. They, seemed they, like they, the Eric Walden like, season when he had like 11 sacks yeah. and it was almost like a backhanded compliment to say anything about it. That, that is, man, that is a blast from the past. Yeah. I remember that <laughs> when he got the double digits. Yes. Like, yeah. Wow. This guy might be a player. No, he just had a really good year. <laughs> they just ran right to him. They scrambled right to him. It's like everybody really said did. that then. And that's kind of a little <laughs> bit of how this season collectively up front with this yeah. group reminds me of. And it, it seems like you can't get these these pass rushing specialists anywhere in free agent. You got to get them no. in the draft. And I kind of wonder if that's at the top of the list. No, you're right about in, you know trying to, to secure those guys. I mean, you know, vintage Von Miller, you know, 2015 Von Miller doesn't, you know, doesn't just fall out of the trees. I mean, you got to go, you got to find that guy in the draft. And so just to complete my thought, I think, you know, when you talk about doing it by committee, that is great. And I, I love that they did it and I, I cannot take anything away from them. So, so hear me out. All I'm saying is that is hard to do. Generally the teams with the best pass rush, are teams that have a guy or two guys, you know, like Pittsburgh or teams like that. You know, you, you've got to have a, a guy who, you know, on third down, 
you know that team is going to slide the protection. That offense is going to slide the protection to Miles Garrett. And you know what's going to happen? He's still going to win like 25% of the time, which is a lot. <laughs> That's how you get 16, 17 sacks. You know, you have to win against very adverse situations. Uh, there's nobody on this team where I would say, besides DeForest Buckner, who's an interior guy, there's nobody who, you know, at night the, the offensive coordinator is, is sitting up, pulling his hair out, saying, I have no idea how we're going to block this guy. I, I, now, there are, there are guys who are difficult to block. And if you don't get your hands on them, they will make you pay. And Ebucom was a great example of that. You know, we Tyquan Lewis came on at the end of the year. Odenbo, like those are guys that like if you if they got a mismatch, they're going to kill you. And that's perfect. That's what they're supposed to do. That's the job. The job is get a good matchup, win the matchup. The the question is, can you can can you do? do that against good offensive lines or can you win when you've got two guys coming at you, you get doubled or, you know, who gets that single block, who can win those consistently Uh, here. It was really a combination of good effort, really good effort, which matters. That definitely matters. I don't discount effort sacks because there's a reason not everybody gets them. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is some really timely maneuvers uh, by Gus Bradley and the defensive coaches to kind of get some guys uh, in some good matchups. So I'll give them credit there, but I do, I do agree with you. I just think yeah. they got to address the back end, but I would be fine with them finding, you know, sort of a, a mid-level corner in the in free agency or something. Like, I think you can address that. I, I don't do think they're, yeah. I don't think they're that far away. They don't have to go get Darrell Revis. They just need some competency, man. That, but that pass rusher, you ain't getting that in free agency. No doubt about that. Stephen Holder with us. Hey, final thing before I let you go, and let's uh, get on a serious note here regarding anything latest-wise, because I, I know the Colts are just standing by what they ha- have given out in press releases in the past. And you go back to Chris Ballard almost a couple of weeks ago, called Jim Irsay being in, in a stable condition. What do we know right now? And I, I, I know this. Uh, there's a great deal of fear out there. There's no question yeah I I think a lot of that is brought about by the fact that there has not been news you know sometimes we say no news is good news sometimes in certain scenarios Uh, I'm not saying in this instance it's bad news but it certainly is concerning you know because if there were progress I'd want to I'd hope that they would want to share that Um, we have not heard that and so, so that's concerning. Um, I w- would add that the longer this prolongs, the, the longer it is prolonged, that certainly, you know, raises concerns, right? So, I, I just, I wish I had some optimism to to offer. I, I just, I just don't know of any good news. I haven't heard any good news. I wish I could report some, but I haven't heard it. And that's the part that's that's pretty. Jarring, I think, in this whole thing with Jim Irsay, um, you know, and, and we know what happened in early December. Is there a relationship? You know, those are the things that we're trying to ascertain. Um, all we can say is, you know, keep me in your prayers and I uh, hope he pulls through whatever's going on there. But but again, we're talking about um, when did they release the, the initial report about uh, about him being. Uh, in dealing with this respiratory illness, I think that was uh, 
two weeks ago, if yeah. I recall. Maybe it's two weeks plus because then the TMZ yeah. report came and then they reiterated right. that press release. Yeah, and keep and keep in mind um, that was that that release did not come on the day of that of right. that first occurrence. I mean, he had been in that state. We know at least for for days, uh, if not more, by then. So we're talking about combined several weeks. You know, since we we know that he was in in good shape. He is uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. If the uh, conditions worsen, be careful out and about, my friend, okay? Yeah, yeah, man. Everybody stay safe. It is always a pleasure to have you on, and we'll do it again next week. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, my friend. Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com, or the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I do, if the conditions, wherever it might be, either here, obviously, in Indianapolis or the Donut Counties or around central Indiana, uh, west central Indiana, uh, of course, we'll always keep you updated. I know that Matt Bear's always got you covered traffic-wise next door on 93 WIBC. But uh, if the conditions do worsen, just be careful out there. I know I sound like Hill Street Blues right there, but just be careful out there. Use caution so we all, everybody, gets home safe if the temperatures and the roads do take a, no pun intended here, a bit of a slide. All right, quick break. We'll come back. You and me coming up on the other side. Do not go anywhere. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Remember, AAA, obviously, in conditions, weather-wise, roads, temps, whatever, always having your back. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Don't go away. The whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hide with JMV. Bill, I just have one question for you. What color is an orange? Ted, you bonehead. Its color is the same as its name, just like a lemon. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's 93.51075, The Fan. Thank you, as always, for joining us inside the AAA Membership Lounge. Again, via YouTube Live. AAA Membership always, especially with situations that some of the state of Indiana is dealing with right now. With uh, some weather, some winter weather situations on the inbound. I did see a little bit earlier today. Some uh, video from St. Louis where it did not look good whatsoever. So if you are in it, ice, whatever, uh, make sure you get home and everybody around you gets home safe. Just use caution. And as always, uh, AAA is a great membership to have this time of year, really any time of year. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live each and every day right here. Big show so far. Brian Evans, the former Hoosier, the former Big Ten Player of the Year back in the 90s. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, he was on. And I want to say caused a little bit of an IU stir in the words that he had for the presence of the program right now and the state of the program head coach and everything else and he had mentioned that it's probably going to get worse at least that was his vantage point then 
and uh, we've had some more stuff go down, and I thought it was time two weeks later to get Brian back on the show. And the sweet shooting left-hander joined us a little bit earlier. If you missed a moment of it, especially if you're an IU fan, go ahead and uh, check it out, 107.5thefan.com. You can find all that information right there. And uh, and then listen to what Brian had to say about it. Stephen Holder, a little bit earlier this hour, also joined us. We talked about the Colts, Colts going into the offseason, some comparisons to be made with the postseason teams right now. A comparison to be made, which was a loose comparison, don't get me wrong, but a comparison nonetheless with Lions head coach Dan Campbell and Colts head coach Shane Steichen. If you remember the hiring cycle regarding Dan Campbell years ago here, and listen, I sit around all the time and I understand. I talk about wide receiver this and wide receiver that. Weapons for Anthony Richardson, and there is no doubt that is necessary. But are we kind of forgetting about something else that might be? Because they had big years getting after the quarterback. When you talk about having to go back with a a front four, for example, that got after the quarterback like this group did this year, and you have to start talking about names like John Hand and Ezra Johnson, Dwayne Bickett, Donnell Thompson, that goes back to the 80s with the Colts. Or if you have to bring up Freeney and Mathis, you know, obviously the golden era of the Colts. So when you start adjoining those names, you know that this group this season had a really nice year. But do they need more? We're always looking for that consistent edge rushing threat. Now, the issue is the way that you look at NFL free agency, these dudes that you're looking for, to even more legitimize what they do up front defensively, they just never become available in free agencies. Oh, it's probably somebody you're going to have to draft. And obviously, the Colts have thought defense and drafting, whether we're talking about Quiddy Pay or Dial Adengbo, they put a lot of time, effort, and resources into doing that. But do you need more, especially that edge rush? And I know what you're saying. You're going to say, hey, everybody needs that. You know, not just the Colts. Everybody's always talking about that. Now, granted, I completely understand when you suggest that it's got to be a wide receiver, or I think it was Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network who had them going with the tight end, or the, um, I don't want to say jack of all trades, that's wrong. Uh, He is just an offensive weapon. And Brock Bowers, the tight end, positionally speaking, out of Georgia, I think that's where Daniel Jeremiah had the Colts going with their first-round pick. But it makes you think if it is available and possible to get an edge rusher, would you go there even though you have a myriad of issues, obviously, to help Anthony Richardson out? Hey, listen, you look at the tight end position, and I know what you're saying right here. You like Will Mallory. There's nothing not to like about Will Mallory. You know, Mo Cox has been the vet. Jelani Woods is a guy that everybody counted on this year that first hurt one hammy and then hurt another, and his entire season this past year was washed away because of that. Are those situations at all, any of them, can you trust? And we're not even going to get into the Alec o- or the uh, we're not even going to get into the uh, Andrew Ogletree stuff, right? But are those situations that you can trust? So we got a long way to go, a lot of conversations to be had. 
And I'm assuming, I know what you're saying too. You're saying, hey, what about cornerback? Well, no doubt you've got to get better at cornerback. Is that something you can do in free agency? Well, mind you, if you missed any of my conversation with Stephen Holder, we get in-depth into that. And we did that a little bit earlier. Um, and also a little bit of a conversation regarding Colts owner Jim Ursay. If you missed a second of it, that podcast at 1075thefan.com. You can find that regarding the Colts on various levels for you right there. All right, meantime, I started out the show and talking about this. While I was incredibly happy with the direction that the Pacers took, going out and making a deal, For Pascal Siakam, I still, I'm going to hold them to the expectations. Don't get me wrong. Last night in Phoenix was going to be tough. They had what they like to call their big three with Durant and Beal and Booker and Durant went for 40. That was going to be a tough get considering there was no Tyrese Halliburton. And I do recognize that Tyrese Halliburton back on Friday night in Portland, probably even though he played, and again, the stats, the production right there as usual, probably was not his usual self that was a game in portland that you really get bummed out about what do they want like 12 games and you got swept by the stinking blazers and jeremy grant went for 37 on you malcolm brogdon went for 30 on you that's the situation that can't happen i don't look at the phoenix game Last night as being one of those end-all be-alls. But the Friday night one, especially when it's the second of a back-to-back and they look so good from top to bottom at Sacramento on Thursday night, and so much of that good look disappeared in Portland. The bench, for example. I mean, you look across. The bench is why they lost the game. That and the fact that you let Malcolm Brogdon do whatever he wanted to. I mean, he dictated offensive terms. And that should make you mad. But no, you look at this team right now, and while I was extremely happy at the moves that are making, I like it a lot. I like the fact that you can consider them going for it right now while also maintaining it within eye shots the future. Understand it all. The expectations are going to be higher, and you got to live up to them. Hey, As they say, you ain't seen nothing yet. They get the defending NBA champion on Tuesday. The Denver Nuggets are in town, and we know this to be true after a lengthy Western road swing, the toughest game likely in the past six-plus that they're going to have will be this return date coming up tomorrow night at home in Cambridge Fieldhouse against the Nuggets. It just, historically speaking, is one of the toughest games you will have on the schedule, and then it is expedited because you are playing the defending NBA champions. You get them in your building. And then, oh, by the way, too, Thursday, Joel Embiid in Philly. You know how much I love that. And then a back-to-back with Phoenix in town on Friday, the team that beat you last night. Then move ahead to Sunday and you have Memphis. The argument can be made that the schedule that is upcoming right now certainly is a hell of a lot more difficult than the schedule out west in which you just navigated through. That's the concern. That's the concern because if you don't get up and win a game here, 
then you've got a losing streak on your hands. Easily. Denver, Philly, Phoenix, they've lost two straight. You don't want to make it five. That's when people all of a sudden will go, all right, I don't like this deal. All right, your expectations are bogus. All right, JMV, you have no idea what you're talking about regarding basketball. This team just lost five in a row. And, yeah, really, you can look at it this way. Five of six, six of seven, seven of eight. You're going to get into categories in which you don't want to try to explain by, well, Halliburton didn't play. Halliburton's just coming back. You're going to acclimate Pascal Siakam. You don't want to have to explain that out. So go out, you know, get a win Tuesday night. Make things interesting on Thursday, but you have to start stringing together some wins because this is not the nice little team that could any longer. There are going to be expectations there, and rightly so, expectations there. Pacers in Denver coming up tomorrow night. Again, not a good weekend for IU basketball. IU doesn't play again, I don't think, until Saturday against Illinois. Uh, Boilermakers rolling on a roll per usual. Hey, let's give a quick shout-out, too. How about my Indiana State Sycamores? Get a win on the road in Murray, Kentucky over Murray State. That was on ESPN2 yesterday. Hopefully you had the opportunity to watch that. Seriously, jump on board here. If you are a disgruntled IU fan, believe me. The bandwagon and the doors are unlocked for you to join at Indiana State with me. And we will take everybody. We need everybody with Indiana State. Uh, that was impressive. Butler with a weekend win that you absolutely had to have against DePaul as well. So a lot of collegiate discussion. And, of course, you get the Final Four, the conference championships coming up this weekend. Yeah, NFC, you get Detroit and San Francisco, AFC. It should be an interesting matchup that you're going to see there with Kansas City and Baltimore to get you set for the upcoming Super Bowl. All right, quick break, and we shall return. 239-1070 is the number. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com inside the AAA membership lounge. That is via YouTube Live. You can find us right there. We got that and a lot more. We will size up what tomorrow is going to look like. And again, inclement weather, maybe slick wherever you are, wherever you might be listening from right now. Use caution out there. It may be worse in some places than it is in others, but treat it all the same because we want you safe and sound and as always with us every single afternoon between 3 and 6. Ride with JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you for a final time next. The Ride with JMV. Give me my theme music! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back for a final time. The Ride with JMV, 93.5, 107.5. The Fan. The AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. Again, AAA Membership right now. So incredibly important to get through weather conditions in the winter like we're going through. At least some of us are going through right now. And uh, always helpful for you, the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. You guys have been absolutely fantastic in there throughout the course of the afternoon. A shout-out to our good friend, Brian Evans. Of course, a former Hoosier 
uh, had his thoughts on the state of the IU basketball program. And Brian joined us back in the 4 o'clock hour. And earlier this hour, Stephen Holder, ESPN at ESPN.com, a variety of things that certainly would be off-season fodder that we do enjoy talking about. And certainly it's a much different feeling than it was this time last year where it felt like that there was zero hope whatsoever. Uh, You have a lot more hope that is built into this situation now than you did this time last year. However, you do have this serious subject that is the health concern of Jim Irsay. And Stephen Holder also added a little bit of his thoughts to that a little bit earlier and the podcast is at 1075thefan.com i mentioned two pacers back at it pacers i think they flew out of phoenix this morning maybe late morning and getting back here a little bit earlier today in fact i think over the course of this show they landed and then they'll get a little bit of rest and get back on it tomorrow against the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets. We'll have you all covered with that coming up tomorrow per usual. Greg Rakestraw joins us. You had the sectional pairings for girls high school basketball with he and Bob Lovell yesterday taking shape. So I'm sure we'll mention some high school athletics and more with Greg. That is coming up on tomorrow's show. Brad Spielberger, a pro football folk is the final four remaining NFL teams. Is there anything other than being where they are and winning? Is there anything that you can wire in to them having in common? That and we'll get Brad to have you prepared for the upcoming NFL offseason as it pertains to the Colts and everybody else within the AFC South. Brad Spielberger joins us coming up on tomorrow's show as well. More Janet Jackson tickets. Janet Jackson and Nelly Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up in the summertime. You will not want to miss that. Uh, of course, Janet Jackson. I've seen Janet Jackson twice. Uh, Rhythm Nation, because look at me. Uh, Uh, If there is anybody that should be described as Rhythm Nation, that is me. Rhythm Nation at 89.90. And I think I saw the Janet Tour, what was that, 93? Uh, when it was called the Deer Creek Music Center uh, up in Noblesville. But it has been a while. Uh, this will be a good one. We got more tickets to give away for that. That is coming up on tomorrow's show as well. But a big show today, too. And again, if you have inclement weather anywhere around you right now, if you're dealing with it, with it if you're going through it, uh, just use caution. Use caution and get home safe and sound for us and again traffic wise 93 wibc and our good friend matt bear always has great traffic updates for you so i'm sure you could check that out on the wibc website at some point too we'll give you all the traffic information that you will need big show coming up tomorrow stuff to win later on this week we've got a tavern tour stop on the road at manley's irish mutts of course mike manley 10th and shadeland and me and nba jam and Mick Ultra once again on the road Thursday at the dugout off of Fletcher. Fletcher plays your chance to play NBA Jam and win an incredible pair of Nike Michelob Ultra courtside shoes while you're there. And then qualify to win even more. That's coming out at the dugout. That's on Thursday with me and Michelob Ultra. 
right. Thank you all, James. Great job out of you. We've got more to come tomorrow at 3. Do not miss a moment. And again, if the weather is not good around you, drive safely. Be back with uh, us coming up tomorrow because we always love having you. Right here, beginning at 3 tomorrow, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.